could be listening today or not watching online, but we need to give a shout out and uh, a congratulations to Devon and Lauren. They had a brand new baby boy this week. So if they're listening, congratulations, guys, and we'll be excited to see them back worshiping with us here shortly. Um, but we are in John chapter 8 today. Um, how many of you remember when you were a kid ever saying this to another kid? Uh, liar, liar, pants on fire, hanging on a telephone wire. Anybody ever say that? Okay, I get the first part, liar, liar, pants on fire, but what does hanging on a telephone wire have anything to do with that? But the idea is, is you know, um, when someone's lying to you as a kid, your only comeback is liar, liar, pants on fire. Because, well, what are you going to say? You just know they're lying to you. You know, you, know, you know they're not telling you the truth, so you just come back with the greatest comeback of liar, liar, pants on fire. Well, that's what actually what we're looking at. Not liar, liar, pants on fire. I just thought that was a kind of creative, cute little title. But where we're going today is Jesus is drilling down, and he's just going to hit the, the main artery. He's going to um, hit the main drum as to why these people that he's been talking to, teaching, and trying to get them to believe that he is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He, he came from God, and, and he's the Savior of the world, and he's been trying to hammer that home, but there's been people, especially the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who did not believe him. They thought he was crazy, and Jesus hits home why that is, and it's the simple fact is that we all have a spiritual enemy, and it's the devil. And Jesus is going to communicate this in these verses of what, the, what Satan does to us. And let me read these verses, and, and, and he's going to hit home um, the title of this message today. And so let's look at chapter 8, verse 39. And Jesus says this, he says, or it's, he's continuing the conversation. It says, they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father, what he did. And they said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Now here he is. Here's where he's going. Your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me, which, is, which one of you convicts me of sin. If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus makes this very clear. Satan is a liar. And he makes it very clear that there is nothing truthful in Satan. Everything about him, his entire character, is one big thing, a lie. That's all he knows. That's all he speaks. Everything he says is a lie. He's a liar, and he's a deceiver, and he's an accuser. And Jesus is drilling down, here's why people don't believe me. Here's why these people don't believe me. And here's why people today do not believe Jesus. Because Satan is a liar. And he tells us lies. And so today I want to look at a few of these lies. And, and so I, I encourage you to take some notes, follow along in the Bible. But let's look at some of these lies that Satan tells us. And here's the first one. Satan lies to get us to believe our lineage and not Jesus. He will lie to us to believe in our lineage and where we come from is more important than believing in Jesus. And that's what we see in verse 39 when the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, answer Jesus and they say, Abraham is our father. 
Now, let me give a little background on this so we all know why they say this. Remember, Jesus has been in Jerusalem, and he's been showing up at the temple at different times teaching. And and he's been telling people a simple truth. And chapter 8 is actually one big dialogue Jesus has been having with these people. But there's been, so while he's been teaching in in the temple, this crowd of people show up, and it's kind of a mix. It's mixed with regular, everyday Jewish people, just kind of like you and me, you know, just, I'm just showing up. This guy's teaching some really interesting stuff. I want to hear him. But then you also had the religious leaders mixed into the crowd, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. And these men were the religious elite, and they were hearing Jesus, and they were like, everything Jesus said, they, re- they, 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 they like buffed him on it, okay? They, they like, nope, we're going to argue that point. Because when you get to John chapter 8, like verse 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me does not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And they're like, nah, that's not right. Because they're like, your testimony is no good because you're all by yourself. So we don't believe you. And then Jesus continues to work through the conversation. He's dialoguing with them. And he's like, I'm telling you, if you don't believe me in me, you're going to die in your sins. And they're like, no, no, we don't believe that either. And they're like, you know, and, and he, Jesus is like, because I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. And, and you're going to look for me and you're not going to find me. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders are like, dude, where are you going? Like, are you going to kill yourself? I mean, we don't get this. And Jesus continues to work down. He's continuing to like debate them and argue and talk. And, and finally, he says, I'm telling you, if you believe in me to truly know you are my disciple, you'll abide in my word. You'll do what I say. If you truly believe me, you'll do what I say. And I'm telling you, he goes, he goes, if you do what I say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that really took the Pharisees into a sideways, like into the ditch, because then they were like, time out. We already are free because we are children of Abraham. And what they were talking about was their ancestral father. Abraham, who was the first man that God called, who became the nation of Israel. And they're like, Abraham is our father. That's what they say here in in verse 39. Abraham is our father. We have no other father. That's the father we have. Okay? They're they're, they're all about their lineage. Now we got to see how Jesus addresses this. So again, they answer, Abraham is our father. And look what Jesus says. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. So Jesus rebuffs what they just said about being Abraham's children. He's like, listen, I know Abraham and I know what Abraham did and you're not doing it. He's like, if you truly knew, if you were truly the children of Abraham, you would be doing what Abraham did. Well, the question's got to be asked is with this. Well, what did Abraham do? Okay. Well, keep your finger there in John, but I want you to go back to Genesis because we got to see what Abraham did in order to understand why is Jesus saying this to these religious people. So if you go to Genesis chapter 12, It tells us what Abraham did. So in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram. Abram was what was the short version of Abraham. And said, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God is telling Abraham, I want you to leave everything you know and go to a different place that you have no idea where it is and what it's going to be like. And in verse 2, it says, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless, you, bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so here's Abram. God's telling Abram a huge amount of information right here. Uh, he's like, I'm going to change your life to a degree, Abram, that you won't even recognize. And look what Abram does. In verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord told him. Here's what Abraham did. He heard what the Lord said. 
He did what the Lord said. He didn't object. He didn't be like, no, I don't feel like doing that. I'm really comfortable where I'm at. I like where I'm at. I like this land. I like living with my parents. You know what? I'm a 75-year-old I'm a guy living with his mom and dad. I don't want to move out yet. They're, they're... No. He's like, okay. I'm going to do what God's told me to do. That's what Jesus is arguing here. You see, these men, these religious men, put all of their faith in their ancestral lineage. They believed, hey, nah, we are Abraham's children. We have the father who is called Abraham. That's our connection. And here's their belief. We don't have to believe in you, Jesus, because we're already secure. We're children of Abraham. We're in the lineage of Abraham. We, we, we don't have to, that's how we're getting to heaven. That's how we know we're saved. That's how we know we're okay. So the things you've been saying, we don't need to believe you. We don't need to do what you're telling us to do because we're already secure. And Jesus is arguing this point. And, and he's telling them, I'm telling you, if you truly believed in Abraham, if you truly knew that you were a child of Abraham, you would do what Abraham did. Abraham, now here's the thing. When we read that verse in Genesis, it says, and the Lord said to Abraham, or to Abram, we don't know what that, how that conversation took about, okay? Was it a voice from heaven? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. Was it a pre-incarnate appearing of Christ before he ever came to the world? He showed up to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. We don't know. But all we do know is he heard the voice of the Lord some way, somehow. And when God told him, here's what I want you to do, he did it. And Jesus is saying, if you truly knew Abraham, you would do what he said. You would do what he did. And I'm telling you, if you knew that, you would hear what I'm saying to you and you would do it. You would believe it without asking any questions, without doubting, because I have come from God, and I've been telling you I'm from God. I keep telling you I'm the Messiah. I keep telling you, and I've shown you, and there's no, he's like, I have given you all the proof that you need, and all you've got to do is, yep, you're the one, but you're refusing to do it, because they believed in who they were through Abraham, and they're like, we don't need to believe you and trust you for nothing because we're Abraham's seed. We're Abraham's family. We're from his lineage. Now, how does that apply to you and me today? I mean, what does, what does the, the Israelites be coming from the line of, of Abraham have to do with you and me today? Let me ask you, maybe you have said this or maybe you know people who have said this. You know what? I'm secure in going to heaven. I, 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 I'm going to heaven because I've been part of this denomination my whole life. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Baptist. That's why I'm going to heaven. I, I've, 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 been, I've been on the membership role of this church for 45 years. That's why I'm going to heaven. My family, they've been part of this denomination, this church for five generations. My great, great, great granddad started this church. That's why I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven because, well, I grew up in a Christian home. My grandparents were Christians. My parents were Christians. So one plus one equals I'm a Christian. You see, we do that today. We put our faith in our upbringing. We put our faith in my church membership. I put my faith in my church lineage. Whatever it is I came from, that's how I'm getting to heaven. And just like Jesus, like, no, you're not. We don't get to heaven because... I attend Harvest Bible Chapel on Woodhall. You don't get to heaven because you're a member of this church. You get to heaven because of who you have faith in. Not faith in a denomination. Not faith in a church membership. Not faith in, well, my parents went to church, so that makes me a good... No, it is you as an individual coming to the place where you realize, as Jesus has been telling these people over and over and over, you are all sinners. 
And there's only one thing that saves you, faith in me. And Jesus makes it very clear. He's like, your lineage, he's telling these people, your lineage to Abraham does not secure you into heaven. He's like, I do. And it's putting our faith in Christ alone that causes us to go to heaven. Nothing else. Not my lineage, not my church membership, not my belonging to a particular denomination. Only one thing is belonging to the body of Christ. And that's what you got to put your faith in, in Christ alone. But Satan lies to us and we believe the lie that this stuff saves me. Just like he believed, he lied to these people. He deceived them so, so easily and blinded their eyes to the truth that they believed they were okay. And how many people are blinded and lied to by the enemy believing because I belong to a denomination or I'm a member of a church, I'm okay. It's only in faith in Christ. Here's the second thing about Satan lies. Satan lies to get us to, number two, live for self rather than honor God. He lies to us so we will just live for ourselves rather than honor God. Let's look at verses 41 through 44 on this. Jesus says to these men, to these religious leaders, and he says, you are doing the works of your father, the works he did. Now he's starting to allude to the fact that they truly did not and were not serving God. They were not living for God, but they were living for themselves, doing the works of their father, and he's going to reveal which will be the devil. And they said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. Now, that's, that's very interesting. Um, that is actually a dig at Jesus, okay? Because you got to remember, Jesus grew up, Jesus was born to a woman who was pregnant, in their eyes, immorally, because Mary and Joseph were not married. Do you remember when Joseph had that dream? And he, he, he prayed, and he's like, I, I think I'll just go hide Mary away, and, and I won't tell anybody. And God's like, no, no, no. Get out there in public. It's okay. So Mary and Joseph are living their lives. They're not married, but month one, month two, month three, and she's doing this. And guess what? Nazareth wasn't a big town. And guess what starts to happen? People start talking. I didn't know Mary was, when did she get married? I thought her and Joseph were just dating. Now she's pregnant. Oh, we've got something going on. So Mary and Joseph would have been shamed a little bit by the people in the community. So these Pharisees are like, we're not born out of sexual immorality. You were, not us. So don't even begin to talk to us about our father. Because if you even remember earlier when Jesus was talking about his father, they were like, well, where is your father? You see, it's a dig at Jesus. And then they go on. And uh, let's see, verse 42, 41, they says, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. They're like, we have one father, Abraham, but we even have God. So they're like, no, Abraham's our father and God is our father too. I wish I could... I wish I could go back and see Jesus' face when these guys were talking sometimes. I just wonder if he's just like going, really? Is this what really you're telling me this? Because look at what Jesus says. In verse 42, he says, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. Now, that's going to be important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stress that here in just a little bit. He says, I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Now, this is where Jesus is like, I, I, he's like, I know you're not children of God, because if you did, number one, you would love me. You would just believe who I am. But number two, you're not understanding at all what I'm saying. You're not, you're not getting it. In fact, if you look down at verse 47, Jesus says, whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. He's, he's really, he's just kind of like, I'm just throwing, he, he's, he's taking off the gloves. He's like, I'm going to have a fight here. 
He's like, you're not of God because you don't hear the words of God. He's like, you're really not saved because you don't believe what I'm saying. You're not really saved because you don't understand what I'm saying. This is the exact same thing that the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from God, the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, Jesus is saying, this is how I know you're not really of God, because you're not accepting the word. You're not understanding the word. You're not getting the word. It's like Jesus, like the truth that he's saying just right over their heads, and they're not getting it. They're not wanting to understand it. Look at verse 44. (laughs) He says, you are of your father, the devil, and here it is, your will is to do your father's desires. That's the key. Your will. Here's what you guys truly want to do. You don't want to live for God. You don't want to honor God. You don't want to serve God. In fact, I know you're not serving God. Because if you truly knew God, if you truly served God, if you truly honored God, number one, like he said, you would love me. Okay? And he's like, he's like, you're about your will is to do your father's will, the devil. And the devil's will is really to do anything that's separate and apart from God. You see, Satan lies to us today, just as much as he did in these days, that um, you don't have to do anything for God. You see, this is what Jesus tells us in verse 31. He says, I tell you the truth. If you are truly my disciple... If you are truly saved, if you truly believe in me, here's how you know it. You will abide in my word. That's how you know if you are truly a disciple of Christ. You abide in the word of God. You do what he says. Jesus is like, here's how you know if you're truly saved. You will love me, and if you love me, you will do what I say. But here's the lie. Here's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is simply this. You know, you really don't have to do anything to be a Christian. If you just believe, you know, the lie that we hear is, hey, as long as I have a a belief in Jesus, as long as I just confess that I'm a Christian, I truly don't have to do anything. I I don't really have to go worship. I, I don't have to serve. I don't have to connect. I don't have to witness. I don't have to do anything. As long as I just have a belief... I'm okay. And that's the lie. Because there, again, if you go even go back to my illustration of the lineage, how many people will say, I mean, think about this. Maybe you know people are like this. They, they don't ever, ever, never come to church, never worship. They don't do anything for God, but they'll say this. I'm a member of a church, and I've been a member of that church for 30 years. As long as my name is on, on a roll of a membership... I'm okay. And they're deceived. And they think they're saved and going to heaven because my name has been on a roll, on a membership roll for a long time. But we do nothing. The Bible makes this very clear. Jesus, again, says, if you are truly my disciple, you will abide in my word. You'll do what I say. Look at these verses coming up on the screen from the book of James. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? James 2, 17 says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James 2, 26. For as the body, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, here's what James, those verses in James are not promoting. Those verses, when James says those things, he is not promoting salvation by works. He is not saying that, that you, or faith plus works, okay? Because, and James is not contradicting Paul. The Apostle Paul says it's by faith alone that you're saved, but James is saying faith by itself without works is dead. 
this is a balancing act, okay? It, it, is, it is Paul on one side, James on the other side, faith and works. You've got people who will say, no, it is just works. Whatever you do gets you saved. So the teeter-totter is this way. Faith, you know, all, it's only by my works. Being good, going to church, all the, my good deeds, that gets me saved. And that's where Paul steps in and is like, nope, works don't get saved you. Faith does. And then you've got other people who will say, well, as long as you just believe, you don't have to do anything. You just have to have a belief. And as long as you have to believe, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to serve. You don't have to witness. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to connect. You don't have to. You just have to believe. And so, you know what? As long as I just have a belief, I can sit at home on a Sunday and watch my NFL football games. I can watch NASCAR. I don't have to do anything. As long as I just believe. As long as I just maybe have a membership card. And that's where James comes in. And he's like, no. He's like, if your faith does not have works, your faith is dead. And here's why. Jesus, it goes back to what Jesus keeps saying. Jesus says, if you truly know God, if you truly have a relationship with God, here's the first part. Here's the first way you know it. You will love me. Husbands, wives, let me ask you a question. Do you love your spouse? Now, please do not go, nope. <laughs> this is not divorce court today. Most of you, oh, yes, I do love my spouse. Why? How do you know? What evidence, what, if, I were, if I were to ask you guys, how can I know you love your spouse? Because I say I do. Really? Just because I love you, Paula. But let me ask you, what if I never spent any time with Paula? Anytime she's like, hey, hey, can we get together and just go out to eat? Nope, I'm hanging out with my friends tonight. If she wanted to say, hey, would you mind if we just, you know, just, can we just hold hands? Nope, don't want to touch you today. Can we just, anything Paula wanted to do, Asked me to do for her every time I would say, nope, I never spent time with her. I never stayed home. I just, would you say I love my wife? No. The way you know you love your spouse is by what you do for them. How you engage with them. How the, the, the interaction with one another. That's how you know you love the person. So Jesus says, here's how you know if you have a relationship with God. Here's how you know if you're truly saved, if you're truly a disciple. Primarily, you will love me. And here's how you know if you love me. You will abide in my word. You'll do what I say. So guess what? You will honor the Father. But the devil, he lies to us and says, no, you don't. Loving Jesus doesn't require you to do anything. If you truly are saved, you don't have to do anything. All you've got to do is maybe show up once in a while to church and you'll be okay. But that's not what Jesus tells us. If I truly know Christ as my Savior, if I know him, if I truly believe he has saved me from my sin, then here's what happens. I begin to love him more. Let me ask you again. Those of you who've been married for 20, 30, 40 years, do you love your spouse now more than you did on day one when you met? Man, you better. If you don't, you're in trouble. Of course, the longer we are with someone, the more I love them. The more I want to do something for them. The more I want to be with them. Jesus is saying that. He's like, here's how you know. Here's how you know you're saved. And I'm telling you, I believe that so many people are deceived on this. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine ourselves or to test ourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. And here's the reality. If you look at your life, and you profess to be a believer in Jesus Christ. 
but you hardly ever want to come to worship. You never serve in a ministry. You never do anything to help build up the church. You never try to connect with anybody. You never try to speak into anybody's life. You, you never witness to anybody. You, you, just, you just live for yourself. You're just about self, and you never honor God. You never do things to honor God. You never do anything that's going to take you to a deeper level with Jesus. You don't do anything that really shows, I love Christ. Again, I said it last week. Are you going to do this thing perfectly? No, we're not. But man, progressively, you should be growing in your love for Christ if you are truly saved. If you truly know Christ as your Savior, your life should change. It should be different. You should be desiring. Your desires change. And I'm telling you, there should be something in you that says it's Sunday morning. My desire is to go worship my Savior. Because I'm telling you, I'm just going to, let's just be, can we just be honest in church today? If your desire is to stay out of worship for five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, an entire year, and only come on an Easter service or a Christmas service, or to show up once every seven weeks, something's broken inside. If you have no desire to serve, if you have no desire to connect, if you have no desire to witness, but yet you profess to be a believer, I'm telling you, you've bought the lie. And the enemy has lied and deceived you. And he has convinced you, you're okay. When it could be just possible, you're not saved. Because you've put your faith, well, I, I belong to the church. I'm part of a denomination or a non-denomination. That's who I'm. When you know Christ, I'm telling you, your desire is not to live for self but to honor God and to do whatever it takes to do that. Number three, Satan lies to get us to reject God's word when sin is confronted. Look at verse 43. Again, Jesus says, why do you not understand what I say? And he gives them the answer. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Think about that. You can't bear to hear what I'm saying. You see, Jesus kept confronting the people of Israel and the religious leaders, and he, he, he just kept con confronting one simple fact. You all are sinners. We all are sinners. You guys are sinners, and your sin's going to keep you out of, out of heaven. And, and if you die in that sin, you, you won't get to heaven. And he just kept, keeps telling people that. Well, here's the thing. There are some people who heard that and went, I believe that. And they put their faith in Jesus. They trusted him. But then there were other people, especially the religious leaders, who heard that and were like to Jesus, shut up. There's no way. We reject what you say. You are not the truth. We're not going to believe what you say. We don't care. We are not going to accept what. And Jesus is like, you're not understanding what I'm saying because you can't bear it. You don't want to hear it. You want to keep rejecting it. It is no different today. People don't want to hear what they are doing is not right or if it's wrong. People don't want to hear and be called out what I am doing is called sin. People don't want to be called a sinner. People don't want to hear that their behavior, their actions are sinful. We don't want to hear it. And so people will say, you know what? The Bible is so antiquated. The Bible is so outdated. The Bible is so narrow-minded. The Bible is just like, you know, it, it, doesn't, it needs to be updated. The Bible needs to be changed. The Bible needs to, you know, it needs to be stepped into the 21st century because the things it's saying is so outdated. And so what people want to do is like, don't tell me I am a sinner. I want to live how I want to live. And what we need to do is get the Bible to agree with what I want to do. That's just the way it is. And so whenever you confront somebody, whenever you try to tell someone, you know, that's a sinful behavior, people look at you and go, well, who are you to judge? I'm not. I'm just saying what the Bible tells me. And that's why people don't want to re 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 receive what the Bible... They want to reject the word of God when it confronts sin. 
That's why, I, I mean, I, I've had people get mad at me, people who, you know, I've had to confront in an adulterous affair. And people point blank would look at me and go, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm not changing. They reject what the Bible has to say. Christian people living together asked me to marry them. When I asked them, hey, I, would you separate? Nope, we'll find someone else to marry them. They don't want to conf- have that confronted. I've had people in this church be divisive, and when confronted, they reject that, leave the church. You see, people don't want to be told what you're doing is sinful. What you're doing is wrong. You see, the reality is the Bible is truth. But the enemy wants to lie to people and tell us it may be truth, but it's old truth. And it needs to be updated. And so what we want to do is say it's wrong. And people want to reject it so we can live how we want. So we just need to understand that the enemy is going to lie and he wants you to reject the word if your sin is confronted. Here's the fourth thing. Satan lies to get us to cling to his lies and not God's truth. Not only does he want us to reject it, but he wants us to now cling to his lies. Because again, verse 44, Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. When he talks about a murderer from the beginning, he's talking about with Adam and Eve. That number, you know, he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning with Adam and Eve. He lied to Adam and Eve about God saying things, and he convinced them to go against God, to reject what God said, and to believe his lie. And when they believed this lie, sin came into the world, and the entire human race was devastated at that point. That's when death came in. He was a liar and a murderer from the very beginning. And he goes on, he says, he has nothing to do with truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. Or as Buddy the Elf says, he sits on a throne of lies. Only a couple of you got that. Go home and watch Elf at Christmas time. But verse 45, he says, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why don't you believe me? You see, these religious leaders were believing the lie and not the truth. And they were clinging to what Satan was telling them to be the truth and refusing to accept Jesus. It is no different. We do the exact same thing. He wants you to cling to the lie so you can't crawl out of the darkness into the light of the truth. Just listen to these several things how Satan wants you to cling to the lie. He wants you to cling to the lies about who you are. Here's how he lies. And a lie of of the enemy, a lie of Satan, is really nothing more than that whisper thought in your head. The lies go into your mind, okay? And, And it's what he says and he whispers. And when I mean Satan, the devil, it's really every demonic horde in his army, okay? that they whisper to you, those little thoughts. And here are some of them. Here's what they lie about you. They will tell you, you are such a failure. You're worthless. You're stupid. You're a horrible husband. You're a horrible wife. You're a horrible parent. You're such a loser as a Christian. I sat and thought about this, and I wondered how many young people hear the lies today that you're so ugly, you're so fat, you're too skinny, you're too unattractive. And they buy into the lies of what they got to look like. I sit and wondered then, I go, well, maybe it's not the negative that Satan is always trying to tell you. Maybe it's he flips the table on you, and uh, he wants to puff you up. He wants to convince you you're just too sexy for your shirt. And, and he, he, he starts telling you things that puff up your pride. You know, 
you're a whole lot smarter and know a lot more about the Bible than the pastor does. You know what? I think you need to teach the people. That may be funny, but we've had that in this church. We've had men drive people out of this church because they convinced them pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. Follow me. Puffs up the head. Brings division. It causes the enemy doesn't just tell you the negative. He will tell you how awesome you are to puff up your head and to get you to think, I am somebody. I should be the leader. I should be the teacher. I'm not going to listen to my boss. I know more than him. I'm not going to listen to my husband or listen to my wife. Forget that. Look at who I am. I know. Lie of the enemy. Trying to convince something about who you are. But he also wants you to cling to the lies about you and God. He wants you to believe that you can save yourself. This is something Jesus keeps saying over and over. You can't. He wants you to believe you're okay because everybody's going to heaven. Every path, every path leads to God. He doesn't want, to, want, want you to believe that, that, that Jesus is the only way. Or he wants you to cling to the lie, you've done too much to be saved. You're too dirty. You had the abortion. There's no way God can love you. You've had the divorce. You had the baby out of wedlock. You were the drug addict, the alcoholic, whatever it was. You've been to prison, jail, whatever it could be. He wants to convince you you're too bad. And guess what happens? We cling to that. And that's why people will say, I'm just going to go to heaven because there's no way God can forgive me. And people cling to that lie and they sit in that darkness. He also will say, God loves everyone but you. He wants you to believe that you're the only sinner in this room right now. He wants you to believe the lie that God's love, his grace, his mercy, his compassions, and his acceptance is not enough for you. He wants you to believe that God is always angry at you and that you don't measure up. You see, that's why when I hear the Catholic teaching that says if you, you, you don't go to Mass, you don't take communion, you lose God's grace. And how many people go through life with the fear and clinging to that lie, I can't do enough, I, I keep messing up, and God doesn't love me, God hates me, God's angry at me. And how many people believe that lie and they cling to that and they don't go anywhere with God? How many Christians go through life spiritually paralyzed because they believe these lies that God's love is not enough for you, that your sin's way too great, and God's grace is not enough, God's mercy is not enough, God's acceptance is not enough. And how many people, how many good-hearted, godly people go through life clinging to lies? And they don't believe the truth. How about clinging to the lies of God and you and your trials. When you're going through the storm, when you're going through the cancer, when you're going through the, you're, you're, the children not living, you know, living apart from Christ and living apart from you, and <clears throat> when you're going through the, the fiery trials, how many times does the enemy sit there and go, well, you know, if God truly loved you, you wouldn't be in this mess. Well, you know, it's just because you're here in this mess, you're going through this trial because God's angry at you. you. You better figure out what you've done wrong and get it right right now because if you don't, God's going to keep punishing you. How many times, maybe, maybe this is you, you cling to this lie, you know um, God's not coming through. It's too big. It's too much. He's, he's not listening to you right now. He's not hearing you right now. He doesn't care for you right now. And so you know what? Maybe you just need to walk away from God because if he truly loved you, you wouldn't be here. You better just leave this mess, get out of here, and just the lie. 
the lies. You see, this is why you've got to be in the truth of the word. Jesus keeps telling these people, you do not know what I'm saying. You don't hear what I'm saying. Why? Because you don't believe what I'm saying. And the only way you can get rid of clinging to the lie is you got to cling to the truth. And the truth is the words that Christ has spoken. It is his word. And so what you got to do is you got to know the word. This is why I preach like I preach. I preach exegetical, applicational truth. So you hear the word and you can apply the word to your life so you can overcome the lies of the enemy. Paula was talking to a woman a few months ago and said, you know, you can never trust a pastor or a church that preaches word-for-word messages. Then what are we trusting? Do we just want a pastor? Do you want a pastor that will simply just read a couple verses right at the beginning and then give you a 10-minute like little spiritual sermonette and be done? Let's just go home, do our thing? You see, that's not the word. Me just giving up, getting up here giving you a spiritual pep talk is not the word. The word is, here's what Jesus says, and we break it down and we get it in us because I'm telling you, the enemy is a liar, and he does his job well. If you ever thought you were a good liar, you're not. Not when the enemy, the only thing he can t- say is a lie. That's his character. It's who he is. He is good at being a liar. And I'm telling you, some of you right now are buying into the lies and you're clinging to them. And you've got to cling to the truth because that's how you get through the lie is by clinging to the truth. And then lastly, Satan lies to get us to have a false sense of righteousness. A false sense of righteousness. In verse 47, Jesus says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. Twice he uses the word hear. And that word hear, it literally means to pay attention to a person with the resolving conformity to what has been advised or commanded. Jesus is saying, you don't hear my words because you don't want to conform to them. You don't hear what I say because you don't want to change your life. You don't hear what I say because you are more bent on your self-righteousness and trusting in yourself than trusting in me. It's no different, gang. We put faith in ourselves. We trust in our own righteousness. We trust in what we can do, what we can accomplish, and we don't want to hear the word of God. We don't want to hear if, you know what, if I'm living in sin, if I'm doing something sinful, we don't want to hear the word preached to us because that's going to step on my toes. And if I'm going to hear the word preached, if I'm going to, you know, how many of you know it's easy to stay out of church or stay out of the Bible when you're living in sin? Because you don't want to hear the truth. Because when I hear the truth, I got to make a decision. Am I going to change my course and follow what the truth says? Or am I going to stay in my own self-righteousness? See, the enemy lies to you and me. You know, you don't really have to follow what God says. You got it going on. You're a pretty good person. You got, you got, yeah, sure you mess up now and then, but you're all right. Just keep going along. And we buy that. And we think my self-righteousness is going to get me and pay off, pay my debt. And it doesn't. Our self-righteousness leads us only one path, and that is away from God. Because in self-righteousness, I don't need to hear and listen and conform to what Jesus says. Self-righteousness says, I'll do it my way. Live according to my ways, my terms, when I want, how I want. But as a true disciple of Christ, truly loving Jesus, guess what I do? I hear what he says. And I want to change my course. Perfectly? No. Progressively? Every day. Every day I progressively try to get away from my own self-righteousness, my own self-good works, my own self Get out of self and follow Christ. Jesus, I want to follow you. I said yes to you. I truly believe you're my Savior. And I want to be more like you. That is our goal. 
That's what it means to hear the words of Christ and put them into practice. Amen? Let's all stand. If you would just bow your head with me let me just pray over you today well father we thank you for the truth of your word and lord we know at times it is not easy to hear because father the reality is as humans we are wrapped in flesh and we are pulled by the flesh and we desire the fleshly things we desire to walk the way we want to walk do what we want to do live how we want to live and Lord, the reality is we want to cling to the lies of the enemy. And the enemy is lying to us all the time. And he deceives us. And yet, Lord, how many of us refuse to believe what Jesus says? And so, Lord, I would pray today that we would all start making a commitment, that we would all change our course. Lord, I want to, I want to pray and that, Lord, maybe there would be people in here who profess to be a believer in Jesus Christ, but they're living for self. They are not active in any way. I would pray today, Lord, they would hear the word. They would hear the word of God and that today they would make a decision to say, you know what? Jesus, forgive me of my selfishness. Forgive me of my self-righteousness and living for self and not honoring you. That Lord, today, maybe there'd be people here that need to get involved in ministry, get involved in connecting with other believers. Lord, making, being more faithful and worshiping you, showing up on Sunday and saying, I'm here for Jesus. Lord, not just putting their faith in the fact that they may be a member of this church or, or that they have grown up in a, a, the line of a Christian, but Lord, they would say, Jesus, I'm here for you. And we need you, Lord. So God, change our path today. Change all of us. If there be anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, it's, as their savior, that they would just come to that place. They'd say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life and save me. So we praise you today, Lord. We just, just want to honor you. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.